We've been spending some time talking about rebuilding the fellowship after our time of standing in the rubble this past year when COVID sort of brought many of our lives to a standstill and disrupted our fellowship and our friendships and our community. And and we began with the school of prayer, trying to rebuild the patterns of prayer uh, that are necessary to do the work of the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you to continue praying, to continue all the the habits we put in place during that time. And now we continue with the school of service. This is week four in the school of service. And we've talked about uh, the example of Jesus in the way he served us. And we talked about uh, the command of Jesus in John 13, where he washed his disciples' feet and then said, now you go and do likewise. It wasn't like a suggestion, you know, if you have time, wash some feet. No, it was go and do likewise. And and he tells us that uh, the Gentiles in their foolishness, their, their leaders lord it over them. But in the kingdom of God, your leaders are the servants of everyone. That service is the leadership model and the way the kingdom is spread. And then last uh, weekend, we talked about the fact that um, there are benefits and benefits not just for us, but for the kingdom and for the world if we serve. And so it helps us, motivates us to serve when we see all the good things that come uh, when we serve together. We are invited to be co-laborers with Jesus Christ. We are bearers of the kingdom of God. And God chooses to do his work through you and through me for God only knows why. Because the reality is, Most days I get more wrong than I get right. And so I have to trust the Spirit to lead me moment by moment because candidly, I don't even know how to evaluate what's going to be good for the sake of eternity. I can sort of figure out things a little bit on a day-by-day basis and I can I can pray and ask the Spirit to lead me and I do my best at that. But only God knows what will be for our benefit in eternity, right? And that's the timetable that matters. And so we want to be in step with the Holy Spirit and trusting him to guide our service and all of our activities. So I would invite you this morning to listen to the words of Scripture. This is Romans 12, starting in verse 3 and reading through to verse 11. Romans 12, verses 3 through 11. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another." We have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry or service in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
This passage is really clear that we have obligations to one another. We belong to each other. And the way the Spirit has distributed gifts across the range of persons in the kingdom of God actually makes it necessary for us to work together in order to achieve the mission. If he gave all the gifts to one person, that person could pretty much carry out the mission by himself. But he chose sovereignly not to do that. He gave a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, so that we all have to work together to see the kingdom of Christ prosper. And I guess when I talk about that, I want to make one observation louder than everything I'm going to say this morning, and it's this. Everything we do, the way we deploy our gifts, the actions that we do uh, in the body of Christ, in, inside the walls and outside the walls, all of those actions, all of that labor is service to the Lord. We should view every ministry we undertake as an opportunity to serve Jesus. This is what Colossians 3.23 says. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it as done for the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. That's what this is. This is, this is an, an opportunity, a forum to serve the Lord Jesus. So when we talk about service within the four walls of the church, when we talk about service in the programs of the church, whether in the building or not, all of that service is for the Lord. And we're not just saying that to make it sound good. It really is true. I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that you understand that the object of your service, in other words, who you are working for really matters. It colors the way you look at an assignment. It changes the level of your investment in the ministry. It influences your performance in the related tasks. Let me try to restate this by way of example. Let's bake a cake. You like chocolate cake with chocolate frosting, so you make yourself a chocolate cake. You bake the cake. The layers aren't exactly level, but you just flip one over so the top is level and you lather on the chocolate frosting. There are a few gaps in the frosting, a few places where the top of the cake crumbled into the frosting, but you know it's not going to affect the taste any. And so the cake's just for you. You slice it up, gobble it down, delicious. But now it's time to bake a cake for your grandson's birthday party. He says, Grandma, I want chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. Is what was good enough for you good enough for the birthday party of your grandson and his friends? Certainly not. This chocolate cake will need dinosaurs on it. And there should be candles, probably some sprinkles, probably some fancy fake vegetation, sparklers maybe, I don't know. I don't know what grandson birthday cakes look like yet. I'm jealous of those of you who know what that looks like. But it just so happens that your grandson's best friend is the governor's son, and he's at the party. And the governor lingers when picking up the boy and asks if he might have a bite of that delicious-looking cake. And then he asks you to make the same cake for his birthday party with the congressional leaders of the state next Tuesday. And I'm wondering what level of quality, perfection, 
attention to detail is required for the third cake that you make. I mean, there's going to be a clip on the 5 o'clock news of his birthday party. Your cake is going to be on TV. They may mention your name. How much time are you going to put into that cake? It reminds me of a story of a man who spent the last decade of his career in the construction business as a job site supervisor. He had built hundreds of homes, and about four months before his retirement, the company owner said to him, I'd like you to build one last home for me before you retire. The owner showed him the lot and gave him a choice of several different floor plans. He wasn't given a budget. He was told, do whatever he thought best. But he was told that the house needed to be completed before his retirement date. The supervisor was distracted by his encroaching retirement and didn't give the last project that much energy. He was, he was on autopilot for those last weeks. He didn't use all the best materials. He, he had built so many homes that his attention to detail was minimal. The plans allowed for options, a covered patio outback, a three-car garage, an in-ground pool and jacuzzi. He skipped all those options and actually took a few shortcuts to make sure the project ended well before his retirement deadline. When he was finished, he called the company owner and reported that the job was completed 10 days early. Surprised, the owner asked him to meet him at the new home for a final inspection. When the owner arrived, the supervisor handed the keys to the company owner, who promptly handed them back to him. Thanks for your years of service to the company, he said. This last home you built is your retirement gift from us. We hope you enjoy it. And I'm just wondering if he might have made different choices when he was building the home if he knew it was going to be for him. Who you're working for matters. And I can't say it loudly enough that, that when you serve one another through the ministries of the local church, when you serve the community through the ministries of the local church and in the ministries in which it is involved outside the walls of the church, whatever gifts you exercise, it is the Lord that you serve. It's for him. That's why I often prefer to ask, in which ministries do you serve rather than what job do you do? Our work for the Lord isn't just a job. It's a ministry performed for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it deserves the kind of passion, attention to detail, and performance that we would give any task we're doing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we forget that we're serving Christ, we get tired. We get bored. We start to keep track of what others are doing and compare their workload to our own. We find all kinds of excuses to slack off, to do less, to give up, to say to ourselves, well, they really can't expect this much of me. And whenever we say they can't expect this much of me, we're substituting they for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
right? Because we're not working for them. We're not working for the the appearances of the work we're doing. We're not working for the other members of the body of Christ. We're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I wonder, what does he expect of us? The one who enables us to do the work in the first place is the one who has expectations that, that we will actually use the resources he gives us to accomplish the work that he assigns to us, that he calls to us. It would be foolish of us to say, oh, I can't do that job when we've been called to it. Because we know that everyone he calls, he enables, right? And so it's his enablement, his resources, his providence that makes it possible for you to do the jobs to which he calls you. And so when he calls, we say yes. When he says jump, we say how high. That's the work of the kingdom done for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. When we know we're working for Christ, it's his energy that keeps us moving forward. It's his mercy that enables us to persevere in tough times. It's his grace that reminds us of our need to continue to serve. So so how do we serve Christ and his kingdom through the local church? You remember the story of Acts chapter 6, when there's some confusion about serving food to the widows of that day, and the church decides they're going to appoint deacons to do the serving. Now, if you read through some of the lives of these deacons, you get the idea that these deacons are more than table waiters, right? You hear the story of of Philip and Stephen and others who were uh, significant church leaders, but who were also serving people at the table. And so whatever ministry we step into, that's not all that we do or all that we are. We're not defined by the ministries into which we step. We still are citizens of the kingdom who are advancing the mission of Christ in whatever ways we can. And we're also doing these things at the same time. And for the deacons of Acts 6, it was waiting on tables. So I'm assuming again from this passage, I mean, I think a few weeks ago I said that the most important people in the church were the nursery workers. I think today it's those who serve at funeral suppers because they're the most like the deacons of Acts chapter 6, serving others in difficult times and bringing comfort and help. But that's just one of the expressions, one of many expressions of service in the local church. And let me give you a listing. Now, this listing is going to be longer than you anticipate. Okay, And because I know not many of you know shorthand anymore, it being a lost art. Uh, I've written all these things in the worship folder that's in the lobby. So if you want to grab one on the way out because you want to pray over this list and see what the Holy Spirit highlights to you, you have the ability to do that. So what do folks do as a part of this local church to serve the Lord? How do they advance the ministry of Christ to this local church? Here's some of the things. We have worship assistants. Folks who help us as we prepare to worship each Sunday. Those folks are ushers and greeters and picture takers for contact tracing, security persons, folks who manage the sound system, folks who manage the media and get thrown curves by the pastor mid-service, video streamers, communion preparation of the elements, folks who take care of decorations and musicians, all of those folks who assist in worship and others. There are administrators that work at the church, facility workers, finance people, treasurers, 
bookkeepers, accountants, project leaders, compliance workers, all necessary for the body of Christ to function. There are educators in the local church, Sunday school teachers, children's church teachers, Bible teachers, catechism teachers, substitute teachers, teachers aides, cornerstone board members, all of those functioning in the local church. We have designers and artists working here. My buddy Aaron's not with us this morning, but these are the banners that he designed as a part of the the school of service emphasis to give us a visual uh, identifying mark to move us forward. We, we need those kinds of folks in service. We have photographers, communications helpers. We have various ministry leaders that function in our local church. There's a celebrate recovery leader. Salute. Women's and ministry leaders, women's and men's ministry leaders, small group leaders and hosts, children's ministry workers, youth ministry workers. We have fellowship event leaders, folks who coordinate meals for grieving families after funerals, wedding showers, baby showers, summer picnics, senior citizen luncheons. We have building support personnel, folks who keep the grounds, repairmen and workmen, snow plow operators and snow removal folks. Together, all of those things provide for the continuity of ministry here in this place. This is true of every church, but especially this church. And, and we have to be aware that we have inherited something here that we didn't necessarily provide for ourselves, right? The, the church is established in 1897, and we came to this fellowship sometime after that, some long time after that, right? And so we understand that we stand on the shoulders of folks who have built something to be passed down to their children and to their grandchildren for the sake of the cause of Christ for the community. So, you know, the the building up at uh, the center of town had to be maintained for decades. And the building on the other side of the parking lot, built in the 50s, had to be maintained. And the ministry of the church nurtured and grown through those years. And then since the late 80s, this building and, and the grounds here, this is part of the legacy that we have received. And we bear that legacy forward as the body of Christ in this place, so that we can provide for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren the same opportunities that we've received by being a part of this congregation of faith. And it's not just, it's not just passing on a building. It's passing on sacred space from which the kingdom of God erupts inside the people who congregate there. There's something holy about all of that. And that's why I think the scripture talks about us being given to one another. Because this all is bigger than one or two people can pull off. We have to work together if we're going to see the kingdom advance. And the kingdom's advancement is the passion of Christ. He wants to see all those he created redeemed. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he wants to use us to do that. And so we have to band together if that's going to happen here. And so we must play the roles assigned to us by the Holy Spirit. 
He will energize us. He will enable us. He will guide us. He will help us work together so that we can see his kingdom advance. We know that the advancement of the kingdom is his will. We pray it every Sunday when we're together, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done here as there. May your kingdom come through us. Why do we do this? Because we love Christ. Because he has given us new life. That we've received forgiveness for all that was in the past. That our feet have been established on a new path in a new direction. The joy of the Lord is ours. And we can praise him for his goodness and his blessing and his faithfulness to us. And service is the way we respond joyfully to all that we've received from Christ. It is this love for Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in us that causes us to love one another. Listen to 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. It's right there. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. For the next two weeks, we're going to have some booths set up in the lobby that uh, demonstrate some opportunities for service inside the church and outside the church. And I would just give you one reminder uh, before I conclude this morning, and that's this. Inside the church, we expect to work with folks who have a common vision, a common goal, and common methodology. We'll certainly have things to work out because we also have differences in temperament and personality, right? So nothing's going to work absolutely smoothly inside the church because we're different people. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us and to bring us up to maturity, okay? That's how work inside the church works. But when we step outside the walls of the church and we start talking about serving the people of the community, which we are absolutely called to do by Scripture, absolutely called to do. There's no question that we're called to serve the community. We're going to have to link arms with folks who want to serve the community, but the rest of their agenda may be somewhat repugnant to us. Okay? So we're going to have to deal with some folks who we're not sure we want to be around. We're not sure we like their influence. We may have to hold our nose a little bit while we're working with them. But If the goal is to serve the community according to the call of Scripture in ways that bless the community, we're going to link arms with some of those folks. And and the reason we're going to link arms with some of those folks is, first of all, Christ calls us to serve the community. But second of all, a primary way of evangelizing our community is by making friends and contact with people who are not like us. 
Because as we serve the community together, we build relationships with folks, some of whom are non-Christian, which gives us opportunity to share our story of Christ. And so you say, well, I don't really want to be seen with them. Well, they probably don't want to be seen with you either. But the reality is, unless you build a relationship with them, you never get to tell your story. You never get to tell them that Jesus forgives, that Jesus saves, that Jesus can change the future, that Jesus can change the trajectory of their lives. And so I don't know what we'll encounter when we step out of the walls and get into the community and serve, but I know it will have some smelly moments. And that's going to be okay because we're going to be moving at the pace of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he will direct our feet, and he will give us opportunities to to share our story if we will serve him as if we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, if we will serve the community as if we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I say, I re-echo the last words of the scripture we read from Romans Romans 12, 11. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we hear the words of Scripture clearly. We know it's our task to serve you with enthusiasm, with energy, and with joy. And now we ask your Holy Spirit to speak as we, as we rebuild the fellowship, as we rebuild our communion together. After being separated for so long, as, after having ministries closed down for so long, as we gradually reopen things over these next several months, would you call us into service? Would you call us to the most important things? Would you reestablish the work of your hands through us that we may honor you with our work? Pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. May you live lives worthy of the high calling you have received. And may your faces radiate the glory of God, that he may be glorified in your work now and always. Amen.